What's up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Kicking It With Devo. I'm your host, Devo Fields, and joining me for my very first guest, Mr. John Squire. Hey, man, how's it going? Man, it's going great. It's going great. How, how are you doing out there? Dude, man, I can't complain. <clears throat> Probably uh, get some jujitsu in at seven tonight, so I'm kind of glad I slept in. Gave you some recovery time, but definitely happy to be on your uh, show this morning for sure. Yeah, I appreciate you joining me. Um, for the people that don't know you, I know a few of my friends and Instagram friends, followers and Facebook friends will know who you are. But for the people that don't, can you tell them a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Uh, John Squire, um, been in the Air Force for 18 years. Current plan is to do six more. I got a... Mm -hmm. uh, a wife, uh, two uh, crazy fur dogs, toy poodles that are always running around crazy. Um, per button jujitsu, been training since 2000, um, 2010. Uh, uh, way I got into jujitsu actually was I was in tech school cross training, and I heard they had jujitsu at uh, uh, the community the community uh, center on base. And when I got done doing my homework, I started going there and training. Nobody else from the class wanted to train. And I got into it and I was kind of hooked. And it really kind of set the table for the rest of my journey with jujitsu because um, through jujitsu, through all the times, you only meet a couple people that you really click with at each base you go to that actually wants to do it. Your coworkers will talk about doing it, but they never will. So I'm kind of glad. <laughs> I'm really glad that I learned that jujitsu was such a like independent journey so early because I feel like it would have been easy for me to like put it down because of the fact that I didn't have a lot of people around me who were really into it. So um, what else? Uh, both my parents are uh, prior military, so I'm very like disciplined in how I approach things and I'm happy to be on your podcast. Uh, happy to have you on mine previously and just try to find ways to give back. You know, I think in the military, um, uh, I think the reason why I started my podcast and why I've kind of moved to this point in my journey is sometimes you have a lot to give, but you don't have people that are like open and willing to receive it. So I wanted to kind of create a podcast and, and get on other people's podcasts to be able to offer value to people and allow the people who want it to get it. And then the people who aren't interested you know, kind of like let them press on with things that are important to them. So I guess that'd be me uh, summarized, I'd say. All right. That's good. And uh, I want to thank you for um, letting me be on your show. Um, for the people that don't know, John was one of the first people ever or is the first and only person to have me on their podcast. So I felt it was only right that he'd be the first guest of the Kicking It With Devo show. So, yeah, much appreciated. And we were talking a little bit before the recording started. And you mentioned you well, you asked the question how I like the mic. And uh I love it. And you was the one who told me to get this mic. And uh yeah, you didn't miss. Yeah, you know, I think um I think one thing I learned about myself is I'm one of those people I don't like to spend top dollar on really anything. I like to like buy like a mid-tier product and work my way up. Cause we all have different hobbies and different things that we get in and stop. So I like to kind of like 
kind of hold myself responsible with taking care and and learning how to use things at a lower end so that way I can work my way up. You know, like I go jujitsu gi. Like I remember when I first came in, I was buying the tatamis and all the other ones. They were $130 gis. And I was like, this is how it goes. Like, this is what jujitsu is about. And then when BJJ HQ came out and I was getting 93 brand $70 gis that were mm -hmm. legit, well-designed, you know, never ripped. I was like, okay. And I think yeah. little moments like that kind of showed me that it's good to start off, not necessarily cheap, but start in the middle of stuff. That way you can learn how to appreciate, learn how to navigate it. And then if you, if you fall off and you don't stay committed to it, you don't have thousands of dollars invested in in a right. hobby project or whatever. And then right. later on, you're selling it at a price that selling it or giving it away at a price that's nowhere near what you put into it. Right. I seen um I seen way too many people do what you just said. They will buy all the show your roll drops and two years later it's like, what happened to so and so? Oh, they stopped training. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody that bought those seventy dollar uh, BJJ HQ geese, they're still training. I remember I used to buy them too. I had the tatami, uh, I forget what it was called, but it was like an air or something. It was so lightweight and it was great. The game this air was like eighty dollars. Those mm -hmm. were my first first few geese and my favorite geese uh, back then. Up until recently, when I started uh, wearing haga, but that's just because the owner's pretty cool. Shout out to Brian. Um, but that that whole thing you said about buying uh, mid tier instead of high or low, mm -hmm. well, low is probably you know you get what you pay for, right? So it's probably going to break yeah. on your tear. But if yeah. you buy mid tier and then you learn to appreciate it to buy high, that sounds like a life lesson from a uh, childhood. I know I was uh, taught that as a kid. Like you're not getting this fancy expensive shoes because you tear up your other shoes. So how can I trust you to take care of the good stuff? Oh, absolutely. You know I think. Even though it's not, <clears throat> it's not as common, I guess, with being like, um, like traveling at jujitsu gyms, like as far as like military bases. But you go to some gyms, right, and you might get a homie that's like, "Hey, bro, here's an extra gi. You can use this to train mm -hmm. in." Some gyms they have like the loner gis, right? So it yeah. just like shows you like, like one, if you got a bunch of loner gis, make me think that you probably had a lot of people that just. DNF did not finish, you know, and said, <laughs> hey, let me just give this to somebody who needs it more than me. So I kind of I think that's just really like a big thing I've noticed is is sometimes you get it's easy to get really excited in something. And that's yeah. why I think uh and you've done it before too. You get a brand new white belt, they get excited, they're like, what gee do I need to buy? Like, look, let me let you borrow a gee, let me let you try it out for a little while. And I ain't gonna lie, I've had some geese that never made their way back. But I'm like, you know what? Maybe he needed it more than I did. <laughs> you know, like, but it's just, it just shows that certain people, you just gotta like be a little bit more grounded because certain things like, you know, jujitsu, the military, you know, parenting, there's different things that are gonna be a long term investment. So it's really about understanding the foundation of what you're doing before putting all your eggs in one basket because life happens. I mean, like, like you, like you uh, were talking about um, before, like having injuries and recovery and coming back and like work and like, you know, it's always going to be a roller coaster, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And uh disclaimer, if you see me looking off screen is because I'm watching the UFC fights right now. That's what's up. 
I, I wish I was doing the same thing, but we, it's hard to get them over here in Japan. So I understand. Yeah, and uh, I'm a degenerate man. I rarely ever miss a fight, and if I do miss it, I go back and watch it whenever I can. Um, man, we got some uh some questions from Instagram. I'm gonna shoot one of them to you now. Okay. And uh, they were some pretty interesting questions. Um, one was serious. Also interesting. Uh -huh. There was a very uh, funny as far as like an inside joke type of question. Mm. Which one? I do lie, you man. Your shirt is pretty dope, man. I, 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 that's one of my things on my list to do is uh, get a, um, uh, a hoodie with my podcast uh, artwork on it oh. and get it black and white and start wearing that during my streams. That's one of my list of things to do. Bro, Vistaprint. Oh, Vistaprint? Yeah, I got mine from Vistaprint. Um, yeah. It was, I, I forget yeah, how much it was, but it was like 20 bucks. It's, it's uh, screen printed on. It fits great. 100% cotton feels great. Yeah, I got this one made, the Kicking It With Devo shirt, and I got a couple T-shirts for uh, photography, but I'm about to switch that up and go uh, Devo feels media instead of photography since I started doing video work, too. See, that's what I'm talking about. The branding, man. I love it. So you want the serious question first, or do you want the the old shit question? Oh, and by the <laughs> way, this podcast is not edited. I, I, I rather even edit my videos before I put them out. So this podcast is definitely won't be edited. I feel you. Um no give me the uh give me the second question first. The 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 less serious one? Yeah, the, the less serious one. Yeah, I, I'm in a good mood. I, I slept a little <laughs> bit in this morning, so let's let's hit it. Why are officers so annoying? <laughs> oh, I think I think that's a good question. Um, I would say one of the issues with a lot of officers sometimes is the you're recruited based you know largely based on the degree that you have and the capacity that you serve in right so there's just so much i think expected of you so i think it's sometimes hard even when you don't really know the processes inside and out that you mm -hmm. just feel like you have to seem a hundred percent on par where where it's the complete opposite for a tech school airman, you know, you're like, okay, I know you don't know nothing. I'm going to treat you like you don't know nothing. I'm going to walk your way all the way through. And I feel like sometimes with officers, it's, it's not until they see it in black and white where they're like, okay, maybe I need to slow down a little bit. That's why for me, I normally let the senior officers kind of uh, be that mediator in there. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of funny that this is a, a good question to bring up, you know, uh, I remember years ago, you know, you you hear about different concepts in the Air Force, but if you never experience it, it kind of it's kind of like, okay, that sounds good in theory. But one of the things they talked about is like, oh yeah, as a senior NCO, it's your job to like mentor the young CGOs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was like, okay, that sounds cool. But then like I started seeing when it came down to uh working on quarterly packages for them and working on um, you know, their OPRs and different things, I'm like, hey, like. You can't really do that. This ain't a good look. And kind of like really trying to give them that perspective of if it ain't me saying it, it's going to be the SCL or the squadron commander saying it. And I'd right. rather you, 
I'd rather you build up credibility within yourself by just taking time. But hopefully through long term, they can build up a little credibility of understanding that us enlisted people, we normally have been in twice as long as they have been in. So we've done seen some things. So I think it's really, I think, I don't think they really intend to be annoying, but I think it's just like they come in to come in to do a job. And I think they forget about the people until they actually have to, you know, that's why you have some, some officers are in, in spots where they only maybe only have, you know, 20, 30 enlisted people to deal with. And you got, you got security forces where the squad <laughs> commander and a captain are in charge of 300, you know, active duty enlisted people. And we all know security forces, they, they like to have, <laughs> they like to have fun. So imagine the, oh, the yeah. difference of responsibility and that internal conflict of, of, this person's over here and you're like, oh, I work in an admin job and I got maybe two civilians, two active duty. You don't really you just kind of say, oh, I'm the boss. I got to run stuff. But you got someone who's got 300 people. You got to be a little bit. Uh, what is that saying? You got to uh, slow down to speed up. I think that's more applicable in that situation. Oh, yeah, I get it. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. That's what no, we're talking about. TJ. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, that's one of the things we were talking about in class uh, Friday is uh, TJ. You know TJ. Oh, yeah. He he rolls at a pace where it's like chill, chill, chill. He'll snap, get to where he wants to go, and then slow it down. So you, mm-hmm. you never, ever get a chance to settle whether you have him in what you would perceive as a, as a dominant position. And then even when he's on top, you're thinking like, okay, let me kind of slow it down. He's like, nope, I'm getting out. So that's just like even key, key in jujitsu is just like sometimes you got to be able to slow things down, really make a good read, and then make make a choice. That way, if it doesn't work out, you can go back to the drawing board and see where you went wrong. Hundred percent, same thing. That I mean, there's so many life lessons we learn in jujitsu that until you get to a certain point in the game, you don't even realize that you're learning life lessons and. All of that stuff translate over right into work and personal relationships, uh, intimate relationships with your kids, everything. You learn to, to slow down, take a step back, readdress the situation, and then attack. 100%. That's one of the biggest lessons I learned from you was like, uh, with now that my grips are, have gotten so much better, I, I learned from you about like, hey, you can break my grip. I'll just take it back. Yeah. <laughs> and you, like, like when I learned that lesson, I just see how frustrating people are rolling with me sometimes because they're just like, like I had to do all this work to get it off. And then it, and then it's worse. <laughs> and it's just like crazy. Like you just learn different things for different people that you're like, God damn, this is like a long-term jujitsu lesson that I'm going to have part of my game. And you just get known as like, everybody tells me when they're real, like, your grips are insane. Like I'm sick of it. Like I I don't want any part of it. Yeah, they get they get tired. Once somebody breaks, they they spend all that energy to break your grip, and then you grab again. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. Because my camera just shut off for some reason. It's like the internal temperature ran up. But uh, do you have a? Are you running off a dummy battery? No, it's an actual battery. Yeah, so what that's the one reason why I bought the A66 is because 
one, it doesn't have a record limit time cap on it. But then two, you're supposed to run it off of a dummy battery. That way you don't get an overheat message. I wonder if I take the battery out and just run it because the USB. Uh, oh, you probably could do it, it that way too. Yeah, it, it yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I'm, I'm going to try that uh, on the next episode when we record yours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, like I was saying, um, when you break somebody's or somebody breaks your grip and they spend all that energy to break it and you grab again and then they break again and you grab again, they, they get frustrated and give up. And then at that point, you just get your get the grip you want and do what you want with it. The grip you actually want. A lot of times I like to get a grip that I don't really want just to have them break it a couple times just to get the grip that I really want. And then by that point, they're tired of breaking my grips because I'm going to re-grab. Oh yeah, I, I take I think I that, hit my choke. I can hit my sweep, whatever. I think my number one distraction grip is going into either um, <clears throat> lasso or worm. I don't, I don't really play either one of those positions, but they're so compromising that you kind of have to deal with it. Yeah. So yeah, if you don't break it. It's like, oh, I get to actually play in this world that I typically don't. And mm -hmm. if you do break it, then chances are I'm going to try to single leg you or I'm going to build up to your back. So that's like those are my two like distraction ones of like, if you hang out here, we're going to have a great time. So, oh, yeah, 100 percent. And uh, that's why I teach well, when I do teach because I haven't been teaching much lately. Um, if you break the grip, like if I break your grip, I'm not letting it go. I'm not giving you the option to re-grab my collar. Once I break mm -hmm. that grip, I'm keeping that that hand. That hand is getting pinned somewhere where you can't re-grab me. And now I have an opportunity to either pass, most likely to that side because you don't have that arm to defend, or I could set up whatever takedown I want to try because you don't have that arm to defend anymore either. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? Oh, absolutely. So one thing I want to ask before we go too uh, too far forward is like I know I talked about um, why I started podcasting and stuff, but like what what made you like decide to pull the trigger? Like I'm I'm curious about like what oh, what drove you to do. That's a good that's a good question. Um, I initially started a podcast a couple years ago. It was like either during COVID, yeah, during COVID with uh, some of my uh, teammates and friends, some of my brothers from T4L, shout out to Train for Life Center. But we we talked way too reckless on there and I had to delete it all. Mm -hmm. um, I just kept pushing it off, kept pushing it off, kept pushing it off. And um, I finally got to a point where a lot of, there's a few people that motivate me to just say, fuck it and do what I want to do and not wait. And you're one of them seeing you mm -hmm. do your podcast and having me as a guest. Uh, Jason Holmes, shout out to Jason. Shout out to Songtown Mugs, his business out there in Korea. You know, mm -hmm. he does what he wants to do, has multiple businesses. And I told him recently, um, he, he inspired me to write a book because he started dropping books. And I'm like, dude, I always wanted to write a book. And seeing you actually go through with it and publish your own books got me started. And I've been writing a it's not a novel or anything like that. Just a little fictional story. Mm -hmm. um, uh, another person is uh, my boy, Caesar. Uh, Caesar Cubby Gonzalez, 155-pound MMA fighter. One of the hardest working mm -hmm. dudes I ever met in my life. And Caesar doesn't let anything stop him. Like, once Caesar gets his mind 
on what he wants to do, he's going to do it. Like, no matter what you try to talk him out of, once Caesar's mindset is set, he's going to do it. And uh, Sonny, Sonny Ramos, the, the owner and head MMA coach at Train for Life, he's uh, another hardworking guy who wife, three kids, uh, a daughter that's uh, medically compromised, but she's so strong where she doesn't let anything stop her. She's starting to walk and talk when doctors probably said she would never do it. And uh, seeing Sonny work uh, full-time at the gym, running the gym, teaching classes, uh, running the fight team, cornering the fights. Like, I don't, I don't think I've seen Sonny miss a fight for one of his fighters in the three – Years I've been coaching that train for life, he may have missed one fight because he had uh something for his daughters. So like just people yeah. like that who who have that drive and determination to do what it takes to be successful and what they want to be successful in, let me know that I can do it too. You know, I mean we're all the same. Like we come from the same background. So if you can do it, why can't I do it? Hmm. That's dope, man. And I think, you know, I think that's really, I hate to be cliche, but sometimes the cliches are true, you know, mm -hmm. like you as a black belt, like being willing to take on new things and be a white belt in other areas is just kind of like that, that journey, you know, and I think the fact that you can show like, hey, whether I pick it up and I, how far I run with it is really irrelevant. But just picking it up in the experience that you get from it ends up being priceless, you know? Oh, yeah. This is, bro, this is this is a small step to the grand ending, um, for lack of better terms. Like, I know I'm not going to have thousands of views right now. I know I'm not going to have a million downloads right now. I'm not getting paid Joe Rogan money. And yeah, the yeah, goal, yeah. That's not even the goal, to be honest. The goal is to do what I want to do, be happy while doing it to give another platform for any of my friends and family to come on and promote whatever it is that they have going on to some people who may or may not know. So that's, that's all it's about for me is helping others and, and enjoying it. That's why the that's, show is called kicking it with evil. Cause we're kicking it like this. This isn't even scripted. Yeah. I may, that's dope. I may go on Instagram and, and say, Hey, you got questions from my guests or I may, so I do, I'm do. i going to do a thing uh, at the end of the show where it's like five quick questions, and I write those down. But other than that, this isn't scripted. Like, this is all for fun. This is all for my guests to promote themselves. And if there's ever any money made through the podcast, that's great. That's, that's the bonus. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'll give you a little... Uh peek behind the curtain like after kind of like seeing you start yours up you know i was kind of thinking about one things i think i'm going to do in the future is i have my main podcast and i'm going to probably start a second one mm -hmm. and it's going to kind of be more of a like you said unscripted but just kind of like give me a chance to take like like a weekly recap of just how i looked at life that week like what did i learn what did i what did i maybe was i too stubborn on that that, that kind of bit me in the in the butt just how like give myself and give like a listener to like not necessarily feel like I got to take a life lesson but being able just to hear like yo this person is dealing with what I'm dealing with and just yeah. to give somebody like a like a 30 minute like yo you ain't the only one because I think that's the hard part 
with a lot of podcasts and things like that is it seems so unrelatable. And that's the main reason why I started mine too, was I love Joe Rogan. I literally just listened to the Will Harris one, Anatomy of Fire. Oh, yeah. That was great. a great one. Oh, like, like for me as a person with a camera, it just makes me want to get content. Even if I don't do anything with it, just to see how personable, how well shot it is. And just like he said it, and I feel like it's so true to see HBO quality YouTube facts, <laughs> YouTube facts. videos. It is, it is just, it's encouraging, inspiring. And for him to be a black man as well, it just really just shows like, like we have to continue to stand up our own things because just because you don't see it doesn't mean it can't be there. You know, I think mm -hmm. that's one of the things I said to you, you a long time ago when I saw when you told me like you had, uh, got promoted to black belt. I was just like, I don't know any like I didn't know any real uh, black black belts ever in my whole life. Because mm -hmm. like when I was training, there was only three of black people in the whole gym, period. So like the, the concept of black African-American men that were also black belts in jujitsu i'm like y'all gotta start jujitsu first and i'm like y'all stayed in doing it 10 12 14 years it was really like encouraging and although that's not like my long-term goal like right now it's just like let's just get through the purple belt life and learn what i can and be a good teacher and doing that but like the fact that i know it's possible is always going to be something that uh that i'll have to that i'll that i that will be encouraging to me for sure oh yeah Hundred percent, and I, I do remember that conversation. Because uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you wanted to make a T-shirt. Yeah, a bunch of black, exactly. black and I thought about that yeah, too. Yeah, I remember that. I remember. And uh, going Joe. back to, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, yeah, I was thinking like, like you got Aljo out there, you got mm -hmm. Ben Henderson out there, you got Tim Spriggs. Yeah, you you got a lot of dudes out there that I feel like, even though they 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 collectively would would probably never be in the same room together but for an aspiring you know even if you're just a uh you know you're a high level gi or no gi guy just seeing those dudes like like aljo being the the the, the backpack like and the fact that you when you see him fight he's he really is he's really about what he's talking about and he's and a champ he be, yeah and he's a champ you just sit back and you're like okay you know this they dialed him out and he was on Peter Jan's back for two rounds, just hugged up, you know? So it's, mm -hmm. it's great to see, for sure. Uh, I want you to keep the thought on Aljo, but we're going to go back to Will Harris real quick. Yeah, go I, ahead, go ahead. I watched that same Joe Rogan episode, and Will inspired me to do something that I always thought about doing. Um, I've always took pictures and little video clips of the team training back in uh, California, Team Nobody, Train for Life. But mm -hmm. I never pulled the trigger on doing the documentary. I started. So mm -hmm. for everyone out there listening, I'm doing a documentary, a documentary on Team Nobody coming out of Train for Life in Sassoon City, California. So any sponsors want to be a part of this video that's going to be on YouTube forever, get at either myself or Coach Sonny, and we'll tell you how you can donate and be a part of the documentary. That's dope, man. Yeah, it's but dude, when you see it, it it's not gonna be Will Harris level because I'm not there yet. But like the the vision board and what I have the the storyboard drawing out, oh man, it's gonna be nice. I can't wait.
on that on that note, a thing I want to say that I I I I feel like is a is a small thing I caught in the Will Harris thing that really always like piqued my curiosity is he said in there he's like he's like I'm not nowhere near where I want to be and he talks about having a mentor. Mm-hmm. So for mm-hmm. somebody that you look at their like you can look at their content and you're just like you did this by yourself you just like you didn't have a team you just did this by yourself like you're you and and then the, i think the part about will stuff is he's he he does such a great job of blending old footage that you probably didn't even know he was capturing and then blending it with new fight footage like he does such a good part so but for him to talk about having a mentor in the film game just i think it just reinforces that concept of you're never too old to stop learning and if you can get connected to somebody who knows better like don't lose those relationships because otherwise you you might get um discouraged because you're over there doing things the hard way or you don't have that like you said you don't have that spark to pull the trigger on the stuff that you already have yeah yep exactly and speaking on mentors um these people don't know that they mentor me um, in the podcast YouTube game, but you're one of them because I constantly come to you with questions about how you do this, what are you doing? And the other one is Tyler from Mom's Basement MMA. Um, shout out to both of y'all. Tyler shows a lot of love to the team, to the Team Nobody guys, and on his podcast and his YouTube show, and you've shown me a lot of love and answering questions telling me what gear I need and all of that. So I really appreciate both of you guys. Um, we're yeah, going to go ahead and... Like, I'm sorry, oh, I just ahead. wanted to... You, uh, it says we got eight minutes on there, so... Yeah, that's what I was about to say. We're going to go oh, ahead and you. jump into the next Instagram question. And that is, what are some successful methods you've used to help someone with mental health? Because I did mention that you're a mental health expert in the, in the Air Force. Uh... I would say one of the biggest things I've encouraged people to do is is stay active. I think that's the key. Even for myself, when I've when I found like myself struggling with different things, I normally kind of just like I guess the best way I could say it is like if if you're a person and you think about flying on an airplane, right? What do you have to go? You have to go through TSA. Mm-hmm. And before you go through TSA, if you if you've ever been through one of those airports where they're really strict and stuff, what do you do? You pat yourself down and you're like, where are my keys at? Where's my watch at? Where's this at? And you want to make sure you basically you don't have nothing going wrong with you so you can go through the scanner without any issues. Right. right. I look at the same way when you're looking at how do you take care of yourself and your mental health is, OK, am I reading books? If that's my thing, am I still reading my podcast? Am I going to the gym? You know, uh emotionally am I doing good am I talking to who I need to talk to am I stretching am I drinking my water how's my nutrition like looking and just doing like uh like like a not like a not a literal but like a you know a hypothetical I can't think of the word right now but it's basically kind of just looking at yourself from head to toe and be like am I doing the things for my self-care is super key for your mental like a self-assessment yeah, like a self-assessment, like you're just looking at yourself and being honest. And I think the other thing I would tell people that I've learned from myself is when you get to like Joe Rogan talked about this on a podcast years ago, and he talked about the concept of flow state where you're just 
doing stuff you're not really thinking about or whatever Mm -hmm. and when you get into that flow state of life one of the things that i've suffered from and i've seen other people suffer from is you think you can you can neglect certain things and still be as successful you think oh i'm crushing it at work and it's i don't think i have enough time to go to the gym so i can skip some gym sessions or hey i'm going to the gym but i really don't have time for jujitsu you can just look and make all these things but then when life starts going haywire you if you drop too many things off your plate it can be really hard to pick all those things up and i think of like during covid what a lot of us couldn't train at all right so what did i do i picked up running and still going to the gym so i just say when it comes to your mental health i think the first thing is looking doing a good self-assessment about what you're doing or not doing and then i think just talking to people you know i think uh, sometimes I understand it's hard to have a good influence of people around you, depending if you're overseas or in a small town or whatever, but get around people that you can talk to and can give you honest advice. And I think the other key is when you have people who are pointing you in the right direction, you know, the people who give you good advice and you take it and you always can take it to the bank and make millions. And you know, some people who give you advice that's not really hitting on nothing. So those people who are who are allowing you to cash those checks into your mental health, you got to keep those those people close because if you keep going against what they're recommending, they might stop being in your corner. They may stop mentoring you. And it's not like a personal thing. It's just a matter of you can't keep investing in something with no, no return, you know? So I would say that's what I would recommend is, you know, from a clinical standpoint, you know, there's a lot of people that, when we look at people who've been in mental health uh, several times at several different bases, first question we typically ask is, "How is your, is the situation different or 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 the same as before? What are you doing or not doing?" And it's kind of like, "Well, what what baseline level of function are you look for?" Because like in mental health, we don't talk about whether you're quote unquote crazy or not crazy. It's more so, "What is your baseline? What does your sleep look like? Are you still doing the things you're interested in?" Do you feel a lot of guilt about something? How's your energy? How's your appetite? Are you moving around slower than usual? We look at all those different factors and then we look at it and you prioritize like what's the number one thing you want to work on? And then as, after you after you do that, then everything else kind of uh, pieces, pieces itself together from there. That's what I'd say. That was a great answer. And if you or willing I'm, we're going to do a deep dive into that on the next time uh the next time you're a guest on the show mm-hmm. i right. love to all right so we got a few minutes left so we're going to go ahead and jump into the quick hitters are you ready yeah go ahead go ahead now, these are just whatever i ask for you answer with no explanation cool i got you go ahead all right so number five we're going five to one number okay. five five things you do daily uh cook um mentor my guys at work um watch youtube videos listen to music and kiss my wife on the forehead all right four favorite foods uh korean italian uh Japanese curry for sure. And ooh, 
burgers. I had a burger for the for the podcast started. So. <laughs> nice. Three favorite jujitsu techniques. Oh, Kimura for sure. Omoplata, absolutely. And lately I've been falling in love with the triangle. Got okay. some thick thighs. Got got some thick thighs, you know. So like if I gotta be a fat man, like you know, might as well throw this triangle up real quick. So yeah, those would be my top three. I see you, bro. Uh two favorite now, this is controversial, but okay, go ahead. Keyword is past. Your two favorite mm-hmm. past troops. Oh, uh Tech Sergeant Brett Chapman, 100 percent That's my guy. I talk to him all the time. And uh, he's separated now, but uh, pre- previously Staff Sergeant Herman, two okay. of my troops that I put a lot of energy in, and they still have a lot of respect for me. And I think that's hard to keep after after it's been 10, 12 years of you knowing somebody. All right. And now this last one I kind of stole from uh, All the Smoke, but what is one guest I should get on the show? Hmm. Kuya. Kuya. That's a great one. I'm going to hit him up right after this. All right, we got a <laughs> yeah, minute Kuya left, bro. Sure. We got a minute left. Uh, any shout-outs you want to give to anybody? Uh, no, I, I I, wouldn't have necessarily a shout-out. I would just say as, a, as um, it's a pleasure to be on your first episode, and I would just say for for all the black guys, African-American guys that are, like, starting jujitsu, thinking about it, like, we're here to, like, build our own empire, no pun intended, of just making our own wave in jujitsu and and film and stuff. We just got to look out for each other. And best way I see it is if you see somebody online, send them a message to check on how they're doing because you never know how much that might make a difference in their day. All right. And I will leave John's information in the show notes for his podcast and his Instagram. Uh, Thank you again, bro, for joining me. And we'll see you next time. All right. Holla.